This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. What a great morning, amen? Awesome morning. Well, today I got to be honest with you, I'm a little emotional, a little sentimental this morning. Uh, Today is my 29th anniversary. Yes, yes. Um, every year that I'm married, I'm still amazed that she's with me. It's, uh, it's just amazing. And so when you see her today, tell her I was good. I didn't tell any embarrassing stories. She's teaching in, uh, next gen this morning, but it's also 29 years of pastoring. Uh, I've got the same anniversary for both. And, you know, um, the story I'm about to tell you, I, I, I don't, think anyone knows except for maybe Pastor Ron, but uh, last year, I guess it was around March or April, just of this past year, I was, I was working in a company that was doing restoration work, and uh, I would go in and help demolish things because I'm only gifted at, at demo. And uh, I was working in this one house where they were talking about there was this gray water, which if you don't know what that is, it's not fun, uh, problem. And uh, I was like, man, something's just wrong with the wall. Just something's wrong with the wall, you know? And so uh, I called the boss and said, hey, I'm going to, tear out a bit of the kitchen cabinet because there's something wrong with the wall. And it turned out there was a mulching toilet. How many of you know what mulching toilets are? Okay, well, they mulch your stuff. And it sends it down a line into a septic system. Well, when I tore the wall off, somebody had not glued the coupling and so it had worked off and so two years of mulching was stuck behind the wall and so I had to leave put my hazmat suit on and I literally was scraping this stuff with my hands and I broke and I just said God what is this I've preached on continents. I've led organizations. And what is this? And I said, whatever it is, I'm done. You've got all of me. I'm done. I I don't want to be in the belly of the well anymore. And then the next week, I get this phone call from Dan. Shane, we passed your name on to the stewards. And I just broke. I'm like, thank you, God. So I am standing up here today in complete and total humility, just in awe of the amazing gift God has given me, and that's you. You guys are amazing, and I'm just thankful we get to do life together. Amen? All right, all right. Well, let's, let's pray one more time because prayer doesn't hurt, right? All right. So, Father, I come before you today, and I just thank you. 
Father, I thank you for using me. Not giving up on me. Father, I thank you that for this church that you haven't given up on. This church that you love deeply. Father, I pray that now that as we look at your word together, that your spirit would just have the freedom to move and sensitize our hearts this morning. I'm thankful for the way you've already been moving, and I thank you for Justin, and I thank you for his girls. In your name I pray, amen. Yes, yes. So we are in the middle of a series called His Story, and I borrowed that phrase from Pastor Ron with his permission. Uh, I didn't steal it, right? Yes, okay. So he talked about how Jesus' story became his story and how Jesus' story became the church's story. And so I wanted to use that to talk about how my story became Jesus' story and how our church's story is going to continue to be his story. Amen? Amen? And so we talked about that. Last week we talked about this amazing gift that we have called love. The fact that we've been loved by God and we've been challenged to love people like God loves people. And today we're going to take the next step in our series, our teaching series together, and we're going to talk about nobody is perfect. Can you say that with me? That's right. So I want to I want to show you some great news. Um, Now it's not going to come off as great news, but this next slide I want to read something to you that that is. Oh, wait a minute! I skipped some stuff. Let's look at this. I'm a perfectionist and a procrastinator. That means I want my house to look perfect tomorrow. (laughs) I thought that's brilliant. Let's go to the next one. I'm perfect. No. Am I trying to get better? Also, no. Uh, I got some people in my life like this. I'm not really a control freak, but I can show you the right way to do it. How many of you can relate to that story? Yes, all right. And then there's one more, I think, here. I'm a total perfectionist when it comes to other people's work. (laughs) I think that sums all of us up, right? Yes, 100%. So let's look at um, this great news. And I want to read to you out of Romans 23 and 24. It says this, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. I'm going to read that one more time. Yet in yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Now, when I read this verse, I always took it as bad news. Oh, man, we're all sinners. We're just a bunch of sinners. We're horrible people. But then the Holy Spirit actually was like, Shane, this verse is actually good news. Because not only are you not perfect, but neither is anyone else. None of us are perfect. That's great news. Is that not great news? Yes, so look at the person next to you and say, I'm not perfect. Now, 
The problem with me having you do that is there is one perfect one in the room, and that's Miss Monica. So, <laughs> and so outside of that, nobody is perfect. There you go. Now, when you look at this passage of scripture, a couple of things that come out in the verb tenses here. First of all, it says, you know, we've sinned and we fall short of God's glorious standard. But it also means we keep missing. We're, we're still falling short. We're, we're, we're not really ever going to reach the mark. We're always failing to meet, to meet the mark. And so we keep falling short. But Paul highlights in this struggle, you know, in Romans 7 and Romans 8, I don't know how many of you have read that. Maybe you could go home and read that. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul's like, what a miserable, miserable person I am. Everything I don't want to do, I end up doing. And everything I want to do, I end up not doing, right? Or something like that. Are you with me? And that is very, very like, that. it's such a human passage of Scripture. That's all of us. I mean, there's times I get to the end of my day and go, man, why did I even get up? How many of you are like that? It's like, man, this is difficult. This is tough. It's the human experience. But you know what? One of my mentors told me one time, a guy named Ron, he was taking me through this passage of Scripture. And he said, Shane, you know, unfortunately, chapter breakdowns in Scripture, they, we, we end up not tying things together. And I want you to look at verse 8. Uh, first one of chapter 8. So Paul goes into this huge thing. Nobody's perfect. We all do the things we don't want to do and the things we want to do, we don't do. But then chapter 8 comes in. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's look at the next slide. So Perfectionism is not God's standard for us. The God who created us, who knitted together our very being, Psalm 139 says that while we're in the womb, he's knitting us and forming us and speaking to us. That's kind of cool to know that all of us were hearing the voice of God inside our mother's wombs, amen? And he's speaking to us. And listen, God knows. God knows that we're human. And God knows we will never be perfect. But what happens is when we put perfectionism as our goal, that goal becomes a cruel God. Now, I shared with you about my background of where I grew up and the theological places that I, I began in, where thankfully now today I'm not but when you grow up in a place where righteousness is obtained by rule keeping, you can see how perfectionism can destroy you. None of us can be perfect. But also perfection is the enemy of love. Perfectionism is the enemy of love and it stifles love. Why? Because we cannot accept God's love if we think that his goal for us is to be 100% perfect in this life. God, you can't love somebody like me. <laughs> I've said that a bunch of times. I've questioned it a bunch of times. 
But God is not looking for us to be perfect. It stifles love. And it also keeps us from loving others. Because if we feel like God is looking at us that critically, we also begin to adopt that and we begin looking at others critically. So not only are we stifling the love coming from God, we're also stifling the love that we're supposed to show to others. Perfectionism is a cruel God. But here's the key. Embracing our lack of perfection is what frees us to accept God's love and allows us to what? Love like God. It's in the accepting of this. It's in the acceptance of there's nothing that I can do to become perfect. It's not. There's nothing I can do. When we accept that, we begin to understand really for the first time who God is in his perfection, loving imperfection. Are you following me there? And this is really, really important for us. Why? Because remember that story all the way back at the beginning of Scripture where Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit and then God comes walking in the garden and what are they doing? They're hiding because they realize they weren't perfect and we can't be in the presence of perfection. Now, I know this is going to blow your minds, but Adam and Eve were never perfect. Even before the fruit, they weren't perfect. Because what is perfection? Scripture tells us it's God. God can neither be tempted by sin, nor can he tempt others with what? Sin. He's perfect. We're not. But somehow through our relationships, our church life, maybe you've come into church later in life, and this idea of perfectionism seeps in, and it's really a tool of the enemy that he uses to destroy our vision of God, our, look, our outlook on people, and it stifles the love that God has for us. I want us to watch this, uh, this video together, um, and then I'll pick up after the video. The compassion of Jesus is the compassion of Almighty God, and Jesus says to your heart and mind tonight, don't ever be so foolish as to measure my compassion for you in terms of your compassion for one another. Don't ever be so silly as to compare your thin, pallid, wavering, moody, depending on smooth circumstances, human compassion with mine, for I am God as well as man. When you read in the Gospels that Jesus was moved with compassion, it is saying his gut was wrenched, his heart torn open, the most vulnerable part of his being laid bare. The ground of all being shook. The source of all life trembled. The heart of all love burst open. And the unfathomable depths of the relentless tenderness was laid bare. Your Christian life and mine don't make any sense unless in the depth of our beings we believe that Jesus not only knows what hurts us, but knowing seeks us out whatever our poverty, whatever our pain. His plea to his people is come now wounded frightened, angry, lonely, empty, and I'll meet you where you live. And I'll love you as you are, not as you should be, because you're never going to be as you should be. Do you really believe this? 
And with all the wrong turns you made in your past, the mistakes, the moments of selfishness, dishonesty, and degraded love, do you really believe that Jesus Christ loves you? Not the person next to you, not the church, not the world, but that he loves you beyond worthiness and unworthiness, beyond fidelity and infidelity. That he loves you in the morning sun and the evening rain without caution, regret, boundary, limit, no matter what's gone down, he can't stop loving you. This is the Jesus of the Gospels. All right. Isn't that powerful? I love that phrase. It's, it's one of my favorite phrases of all time. Right behind the movie Jaws, we need a bigger boat. <laughs> this phrase where he says, God loves us as we are, not as we should be, because we will never be as we should be. Is that not powerful? But yet we, we strive for this perfection, and in the striving of perfection, it has distanced us from God. So what am I asking this morning? I'm asking all of us to embrace our lack of perfection and say, God, I am so thankful that you love me as I am. That person, you know, the person we talked about last week, when everything gets quiet and you're alone and you begin to reflect on who you are, whether by choice or not by choice, and your heart begins to break, and you're saddened, and you're disappointed in yourself. That is where God is saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. You're not perfect. And my goal for you is not perfection. You can't meet it. So what is God's goal for us? That's a pretty good question, right? Well, let's look at a couple of guys in Scripture. So Let's look at James. James is one of those dudes I find really intriguing. His, his book of the Bible actually is the oldest New Testament book. It was the first New Testament book. And James was the brother of Jesus. I bet James would have some cool stories. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? James had an extra given insight into who Jesus was. This is a guy that used, it was, Jesus was his big brother, right? Like, it's just amazing to me. And he says this in verses three through eight. He says this, for I know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. We always love that, don't we? Testing, yeah, 100%. Anybody that says yes, uh, I've got counseling spots available. So it says this, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be what? Perfect and complete, needing nothing. Now that sounds like pretty high demand, right? You'll be perfect, needing nothing. Now, that word perfect actually is a double word for completeness. It's a, it's a double emphasis on being complete. And so there's something about testing our faith. There's something about trials and hardships that if we walk through it the way that God wants us to walk through it, because remember, Jesus said, there's one thing you can know for sure in this life. Life is full of what? Suffering and hardships. And when we go through those the way that Jesus has designed us to go through those, we become stronger. 
our gifts get more honed and our focus becomes tighter and Jesus and God become more real to us. So he's saying what? Let that happen. But I love what verse five says. Verse five says, if you need wisdom, <laughs> if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Isn't that awesome? Wonderful verse. But when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. This is, again, where perfectionism slips in. Perfectionism says don't rely on God, rely upon yourself. You've got to make yourself perfect. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea and is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. James here is talking about completeness, and then he says that we can go to God and we can ask God for wisdom. Now, this idea of wisdom is connected with how we regulate our relationship with God. It's directly in tune with our relationship with God. So we can come to Jesus, and I've actually done this. I did this as a pastor. I went to God and said, hey, I have no clue how to build a relationship with you. I have always kept myself at the center of my faith, and I'm always showing up lacking because I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we can come to him and say, Jesus, I need wisdom. I need wisdom from you so that I can better understand how to be in relationship with you. And what does God say? I'm going to give it to you. Abundantly, leaps and bounds. And that wisdom is connected to goodness. Why? Because God is good. Amen? So he gives us wisdom, but then he also is connected that good. So we have the wisdom from God, how to regulate our relationship with God, and it's connected to goodness. Now, interestingly enough, perfectionism will rob us of goodness. It will rob us of goodness. And it doesn't take very long to look around our culture and see that there's a profound lack of goodness. A profound lack of it. So we have to, again, embrace our imperfection. Let God love us so that we can, in turn, embrace others who are not perfect and say that that is completely okay. Because, see, it doesn't matter what you did 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It doesn't matter what you did before you walked in the door. God still loves. God still cares. And actually, Paul talks about this. I want us to look at this verse from Paul. In Philippians chapter 3, it says this. For I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for what Christ has first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus this one thing, forgetting the what? Past. I want to pause right there. The enemy will always use your past to distract you in the present 
to ruin your future. Let me say it again. God will all, the devil will always use your past to distract you in the present. Because if in this moment I'm concentrating on everything that I've done wrong, on all the bad stuff, or even the good stuff. If, I'm, if, I'm, if that's all I'm focused on, then I'm not thinking about what God wants to do with me in the future. The past is in the what? Past. And there's nothing that we can do about it except learn from it, amen? amen. And here's the cool thing. God, when he forgives us, he goes, I'm not only going to forgive you of your past, and I'm not only going to forgive you of your present, I'm forgiving you of all the future as well. Isn't God amazing? Beautiful, beautiful God. What's the next thing that he says up here? Paul says, embrace our embracing our imperfection is actually a sign of spiritual maturity. I want you to see this. This is Paul here. Outside of Jesus, he's probably arguably the most central figure in the New Testament. And here's a guy that is going around planting churches like crazy. This dude is crazy. He's been beat, shipwrecked, beat some more, bit by a snake. I mean, this dude has lived a life. And what does the Paul say? I concentrate on everything. I'm forgetting the past. And I focus my entire energy on pressing forward into Jesus. And he says, I haven't attained it yet. So a sign of spiritual maturity is actually embracing the imperfection and realizing that we're not there yet. That's good news, amen? The next thing he says is, keep in mind that we've not reached it. And then he says this, Continue to live by the wisdom we've obtained and hold to the progress that we are making. Now, before I said, what is God's goal for us today? Well, whether you've been in the faith for one day or a thousand years, whatever you've learned, God expects you to live up to that. So what, is, what have you learned about Jesus in your relationship with him? What have you learned? That he loves you, so be loving. He's embraced you in your imperfections, so embrace others in their imperfections. I'm just giving a couple of examples here, but can you see, can you see what I'm saying? Paul's saying, hey, listen, our goal is to keep pressing forward and to live to what we've obtained. And so some of you in here, you've got a ton of potential locked up in you. You've encountered God and experienced God in amazing ways. Why? So you can be that kind of amazing person for others. So that we can point to Jesus who is the lover of our souls and the lover of our imperfections. So today, if you're here and you're struggling like me, believe it or not, I still struggle with it because when you're young and you're taught those things, it's deep in your DNA. And I'm all the time fighting it. <laughs> and I have to hear God say to me sometimes when I go, man, I blew it again. And he goes, Shane, you're always going to blow it. 
but I still love you anyway. Not just partially, but completely. And that's what Brennan Manning in the video was talking about there. He loves us deeply, fully, 100% all the time. So today I want to encourage you to do this. That person that you know, that only you know, the you, when it gets quiet, I want you to say, God, I thank you for loving this person. I literally did this for a month. Every time I get in the car to whatever destination I was going to, I did this. Every time I inhaled, God, you love me. And I love you. God, you love me. And I love you. And I did that over and over, and my eyes start getting that watery stuff. I don't know about you, but I don't cry with dignity. I'm a slobberer. And doing that simple exercise revolutionized my life because I was speaking a new reality to myself. And so I want to encourage you to do the same thing. When you get in your car, when you have some alone moments, just that simple prayer, he loves me. And I love them. And I want you to watch what God does with that simplistic prayer. Amen? So today we have a lot to celebrate. Justin's in the house. His family's in the house. But most of all, we're celebrating the God who loves us completely and totally as we are and not as we should be. Amen? All right. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.